Esther chapter 8, verse 1. On that day did the king Ahasuerus give the house of Haman the Jews' enemy unto Esther the queen. And Mordecai came before the queen, for Esther had told what he was unto her. Esther told the king that Mordecai was her uncle. And the king gave Haman's property to Queen Esther to do with whatever she wanted. 2. And the king took off his ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it unto Mordecai, and Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. The king who represents God has now made Mordecai his right-hand man, and now Mordecai can do anything in the king's name because he has that signet ring. It's for sealing legal documents. Whatever is done with that ring is as good as if the king himself did it. And now Mordecai has all the same power that the king has, just as Jesus has all of the same power that the Father has, because Jesus is God, and Jesus does transactions to save us from eternal death on behalf of the Father. Now you might say, well, that doesn't work with the gospel because Haman also had that ring originally. No, it doesn't. That's why this story has flawed people in it who made mistakes. That's why King Ahasuerus represents God, but he isn't like God. Because yes, he did make the mistake of giving that ring to Haman initially. So he isn't like God in any way. But this is one of the ways that he represents God is that he does give it to Mordecai. Esther isn't actually the hero in this story. Although she is very heroic, she represents the church. The hero is Jesus. And if you'll think about it carefully, you'll realize that Esther couldn't accomplish anything without Mordecai's help. Just as the church can't do anything without Christ doing it in us, we can't do anything. It was Mordecai who told Esther not to tell the king her identity. It was from Mordecai's DNA that Esther was so beautiful. It was Mordecai who gave the message to the queen that Bigtha and Teresh wanted to kill the king. And now in this chapter, you're going to see that it is Mordecai who orchestrates the salvation of the Jews in Persia. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. The king gave all of Haman's property to Esther, but Esther put Mordecai in charge of all of that property. And just like Jesus and the church, we acknowledge that Jesus is in charge of our lives and all of our gifts and all of the treasures that God has given us. And we account it as if it were belonging to Jesus and not us. 3. And Esther spoke yet again before the king and fell down at his feet and besought him with tears to put away the mischief of Haman the Agagite and his device that he had devised against the Jews. Esther has more to ask the king. She's reminding him, Haman had that edict written that all of his people could attack us in the month of Adar. So we're still going to die because of that edict. 4. Then the king held out to Esther the golden scepter. So Esther arose and stood before the king. Again, she has risked her life to go see the king on his throne in the palace. She came without permission and threw herself at his feet. And again, for the second time, he held out the golden scepter to save her life and allow her to speak to him. 5. And she said, If it please the king, and if I have found favor in his sight, and the thing seem right before the king, and I be pleasing in his eyes, let it be written to reverse the letters devised by Haman the son of Hamedagatha the Agagite, which he wrote to destroy the Jews that are in all the king's provinces. 
6. For how can I endure to see the evil that shall come unto my people, or how can I endure to see the destruction of my kindred? Now she's asking the king to reverse the edict for the month of Adar. It was Mordecai who prompted her to do this, just as it is Jesus who prompts the church to act on his behalf. 7. Then the king Ahasuerus said unto Esther the queen and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and him they have hanged upon the gallows, because he laid his hand upon the Jews. 8. Write ye also concerning the Jews, as it liketh you, in the king's name, and seal it with the king's ring, for the writing which is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's ring may no man reverse. The king is saying, it's up to you, Esther and Mordecai. You can write any law you want, and you have my signet ring to make it fully legal. 9. Then were the king's scribes called at that time in the third month, which is the month Sivan, on the three and twentieth day thereon, and it was written according to all that Mordecai commanded concerning the Jews. The scribes are the writers, and Mordecai is dictating to them what to write even to the satraps and the governors and the princes of the provinces which are from India unto Ethiopia, a hundred twenty and seven provinces, unto every province according to the writing thereof, and unto every people after their language, and to the Jews according to their writing, and according to their language. The Persian Empire was the second largest empire in world history. The largest was Babylon, the second largest was Persia, and then after that is going to come the Greek Empire and so forth. The British Empire was big, but it wasn't as big as the Persian Empire. India is a massive country. Persia controlled India and much of Africa, plus much of the Middle East. And that's a lot more country than what the former British Empire used to control. These scribes wrote letters for all of the leaders in all of those lands that would be dispersed out. So it could have been a huge group of scribes, maybe 100, maybe 200, because they have to write letters to be dispersed throughout the entire Persian kingdom. And all of the letters are going to say the exact same thing. 10. And they wrote in the name of King Ahasuerus and sealed it with the king's ring and set letters by posts on horseback, that means by mail, riding on swift steeds that were used in the king's service, bred of the stud. These horses are bred specifically for taking the mail out fast. 11. That the king had granted the Jews that were in every city to gather themselves together and to stand for their life, to destroy and to slay and to cause to perish all the forces of the people and province that would assault them, their little ones and women, and to take the spoil of them for a prey. The original edict said that in the month of Adar, the Persians can attack and kill the Jews, but it didn't give the Jews permission to fight back. This second edict doesn't erase the first because every edict is eternal law in the Persian kingdom. So what they did was in the second edict, they said that all the Jews can gather and fight back. And if they kill their enemies, they can spoil their enemies and take their enemies' property. Now it's going to be a fair fight because now the Jews have permission from the king to protect themselves and counterattack, which they didn't have before. Before it was just going to be a slaughter. Now it's going to be a war. 12. Upon one day in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, namely upon the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month Adar. 
13. The copy of the writing to be given out for a decree in every province was to be published unto all the peoples, and that the Jews should be ready against that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. At this point, the people who would have killed the Jews can now make a choice. Do they want to fight or do they not want to fight? It's to their advantage to stay at home on that day and just stay out of it, because everybody who stays home is going to live guaranteed. A lot of the people who originally were excited about killing the Jews, they don't want the Jews to fight back. And a lot of them are not going to participate in this one-day war. 13. The copy of the writing to be given out for a decree in every province was to be published unto all the peoples, and that the Jews should be ready against that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. 14. So the posts that rode upon swift steeds that were used in the king's service went out, being hastened and pressed on by the king's commandment, and the decree was given out in Shushan the castle. 15. And Mordecai went forth from the presence of the king in royal apparel of blue and white, and with a great crown of gold, and with a robe of fine linen and purple, and the city of Shushan shouted and was glad. When Jesus comes back to get his church, he's going to be wearing white and blue and purple and a crown. In fact, Revelation says that he will have many crowns, one stacked upon the other, for all of the mighty deeds that he has done. So he has a full stack of crowns on his head, and he's going to come back in white for righteousness, blue for holiness, and it's the holiness that kills Satan. No one can stand in God's presence because of the holiness of God. Righteousness is because Jesus is the only one who ever lived who was capable of sin and did not commit any sin, and that makes him the only righteous one. All of us have sinned. Animals can't sin because they don't know right from wrong. So animals are innocent by default, not of their own choosing. But Jesus is innocent of his own choosing, which makes him righteous. And Jesus wears purple because he is king of kings and lord of lords, and he has many crowns. So now Mordecai is dressed in the same way because Mordecai represents Jesus. And remember, the white and blue was mentioned in the beginning of the story when King Ahasuerus threw the ball that Vashti refused to come to. His ball was decorated in white and blue fine linen tapestries. Those are the colors of God, white and blue. 16. The Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor. Everyone, when Jesus comes back to us in the sky on a white cloud in a blue sky, wearing white and blue and wearing many crowns, all of his church is going to rejoice with gladness. We're going to be so happy to see him. 17. And in every province and in every city, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, the Jews had gladness and joy, a feast and a good day, and many from among the peoples of the land became Jews, for the fear of the Jews had fallen upon them. People are saying, the Jews are going to win this battle that's coming up in Adar. I want to be a Jew. Up until the month of Adar, many people are converting to Judaism. They want to fight on the winning side, not the losing side. The population of Jews actually increased during this time, between the third month of Sivan and the twelfth month of Adar. And that concludes Esther chapter 8. We'll read about the battle in the next chapter.